Hey listeners, it's me, Brittany. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, BetterHelp, the world's largest e-counseling platform, which makes professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient. I've told y'all many times before, I believe in God and therapy. And you know, talking about mental health is so important. There's so much happening in the world right now, but it's important that everyone be kind to yourselves and remember you need to take care of yourself. So just remember, grace is required beginning with yourself. And if you're looking for more resources on mental health, we got you covered. Later on in this episode, you'll hear from a therapist brought to you by our sponsor, BetterHelp. Brittany. (sighs) Have we entered the twilight zone? Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. So Tim Scott, the black conservative senator from South Carolina, said those words last week in his rebuttal to President Biden's speech to Congress. Y'all probably already heard it because it's all anyone has been talking about. But the very question, is America racist, is actually a straw man. Y'all remember that term from school. This is a distraction and gaslighting all rolled up into one hot GOP mess. Systemic racism is a fact. And getting us to debate that fact is a tactic that distracts us from, you know, ending systemic racism. So don't fall for that. We don't argue with flat earthers and we don't need to argue with racism deniers. In a year of such overwhelming trauma and strife, it is not just confusing, it is downright offensive to hear someone denying our truth. For me, it is especially painful to hear that coming from a black man. But here's the thing about oppression. It will use anybody to uphold itself. Black folks can uphold white supremacy. Women can uphold the patriarchy. We've all breathed in that smog. And even if we aren't on TV lying to the public, all of us have things we need to examine. So instead of getting caught on the hamster wheel of outrage, let's take a look at ourselves always and often. And let's hold to account those who have the power to do something about the deep rooted issues we know are real. The question is not, is America racist? The question is how much is America willing to invest in ending structural racism? That's the conversation we need to be having. We are undistracted. On the show today, Yvonne Orji. I'll be talking to the insecure actress about her new book, Bamboozled by Jesus, and how the Lord's guidance hasn't always been apparent. (laughs) I have done everything, Lord. Everything you've asked me for. I have been the quintessential pinnacle of a a faithful daughter, and I'm getting crumbed. (laughs) Is this this what you want from me? Is this what's going to move the nation's Jesus? 
That's coming up, but first it's your untrending news. I know we are still working our way out of the pandemic here in America, but as you probably know, India is wrestling with a ferocious wave of COVID-19 and the latest coronavirus figures show infections there have now passed 20 million. This is a tragedy. But in a recent piece for The Guardian, Indian novelist Arundhati Roy argues, quote, the system hasn't collapsed, the government has failed. She says the world is, quote, witnessing a crime against humanity. Roy, like many, blames Prime Minister Narendra Modi for being unprepared and complacent. He allowed mass religious gatherings and political rallies to take place just last month. And now Roy and other critics are calling out Modi's government for denying that there's even a problem. One of his chief ministers even threatened legal action against anyone who complains about oxygen shortages because the government wants to insist there is no shortage. Listen, India's problem is our problem too, and we must do what we can to help. If you like yoga or chai or turmeric, now's the time to step up. We don't get to enjoy India's cultural exports while ignoring India's people. You can contribute by donating to international and local and regional organizations that provide mutual aid and medical supplies like masks and oxygen tanks. The pandemic can't end unless we all help India right now. This week, Elliot Page sat down with Oprah for his first interview since coming out as transgender. He talked to her about the joy of finally feeling at home in his body for the first time. But Elliot said the main reason he felt compelled to speak out is because of the current wave of anti-trans legislation. Right now, the main tactic is to attack trans kids. It's just, it's unfathomable to me. There are over 200 anti-LGBTQ plus bills under consideration across this country. Many of them focus on banning healthcare for transgender kids or preventing them from playing on sports teams. And if you are going to do this, children will die. Elliot spoke directly to trans kids around the world at the end of his interview. I wanna tell them that I see them, that they exist, that they are real, they're loved, and I'm gonna to continue to do what I can to try and help this society shift how it treats transgender people. Elliot, good for you for using your privilege platform to help trans youth. And now let's extend civil rights, really human rights protections to cover LGBTQ folks by getting the Equality Act passed. And finally, the upcoming Sex in the City revival is finally going to diversify its cast. Back when HBO Max announced the reboot, fans were shocked to find out that everyone's favorite sex-positive diva, Samantha, played by Kim Cattrall, won't be returning. But in her absence, the series, titled And Just Like That, will expand Carrie's social circle by adding six new characters. And just like that, three of them will be women of color. Showrunner Michael Patrick King has also promised that at least half of the writers will be BIPOC folks. Of course, Sex in the City has been criticized over the years for 
is poor track record on diversity and its whitewashed perspective of New York. Everything white, white flowers, white tablecloths, white food, W-H-I-T-E, white. So yeah, if you wanna tell an honest story about women in New York, they gotta include some women of color. So I'll drink a Cosmo to that and you know, I like Mama Nolos too. Coming up, I'll be talking to comedian Yvonne Orji about her homie Jesus and the recent season of Insecure right after this short break. I'm Joy Bergheimer, an author and licensed marriage and family therapist with BetterHelp. And I'm based in Boca Raton, Florida. I often hear my clients that are in the black, indigenous, or people of color community saying to me that they feel ashamed to seek therapy because it somehow means that they're defective. While we often are told that we don't deserve an abundant life, we shouldn't have equal rights to happiness and success, the truth is that everyone deserves those things and mental health is absolutely a part of that. When I offer my clients a deep understanding of the specific racial trauma that's endured in our country, I can see their relief and realization that they can thrive and not just survive. So if you're worried about the narrative that seeking therapy makes you crazy, I encourage you, take back your power and embrace your much-deserved joy. Thanks, Joy, and thanks to our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed counseling via text, phone, or video, and it's more affordable than traditional therapy with financial aid available. To learn more and be connected with a therapist within 48 hours, visit www.betterhelp.com forward slash undistracted. I am excited to share a show with you from some of our friends. It's called Sunstorm, hosted by Aijin Poo and Alicia Garza. Aijin and Alicia are two of the leading organizers in America, and the show is all about how women help each other stay joyful and powerful amidst the chaos of life today. This season is all about what now? How do we keep learning what we need to learn so we can win now and in the future? Each week, they talk to their friends and heroes about their inspirations, finding their center, and what each one of us can do to make the changes we want to see in the world. Subscribe to Sunstorm wherever you're listening to this show. And we are back. My guest today calls herself a proud, Jesus-loving Nigerian-American writer and stand-up comic. But Yvonne Orji is probably best known for playing Issa Rae's best friend Molly on the HBO series Insecure. Bitch, do you hear yourself? Nobody has more drama than you, Issa. Okay, you need to figure out your shit and stop using people. You use Nathan, Andrew, me, who else? Oh, this shit's getting real. <laughs> Yvonne received an Emmy nomination last year for her performance on Insecure. And yes, things have been going well. 2020 also saw the launch of her debut HBO comedy special, Mama, I Made It. And now Yvonne can add author to her list of accomplishments. In her book, Bamboozled by Jesus, which comes out later this month, she shares the twists and turns that led her to success and encourages readers to live their wildest dreams. It's a very funny book about God because, as you'll hear, Yvonne Orji believes fun and faith can go hand in hand. Hey, Yvonne, thank you so much for joining us. Girl, I've been looking forward to this. I'm <laughs> so excited to be talking to you. So, the subtitle of your book, 
was how God tricked me into the life of my dreams. So I absolutely have to start there. <laughs> what what does that mean? And when did this start happening? Girl, I was born holding the IUD in my hand. Now, if that one somebody getting tricked, and that was when God bamboozled my mama. My mama was like, we done, shop is closed, hold up. Who, what is this? And who is she? Um, nobody's supposed to be here. How did you get here? So I feel like that was God just like starting off my life with the okie doke by bamboozling my parents. And then like just my actual life has been a series of getting tricked, right? So I got a master's degree, thought I was going to get my uh, pre-med degree. And God was like, why don't you go ahead and slang these jokes? And I was like, I ain't got no jokes. I ain't even funny. What are you talking about? Cut to, uh, hey, mom and dad. So I'm not going to med school. I think I want to make the world laugh. (laughs) And then cut to not knowing how I'm going to do that to opening up for Chris Rock and Barclays Center in front of 19,000 people, cut to a one-hour HBO comedy special. My life, Brittany, has just literally been me doing a series of, all right, okay, cool, if that's what you want, like, I'll rock with it. Just saying yes. (laughs) You know what I mean? Just, like, not knowing where Mm -hmm. the road would lead, but just being like, all right, fam. I mean, if you say so, I I guess. And sometimes it's been with a question mark on on the end, like, I... I guess. Yeah, sure. Sure. That's how I got tricked. So you were born in Nigeria. Yes. And you moved to Maryland. (laughs) Maryland, As we like to say out here, Maryland. Uh, (laughs) With your family when you were six. And you were raised Catholic. So when did you first start to develop a personal relationship with God? It was when I was 17 and I was a freshman in college. And on my way to the club... (laughs) Mm-hmm. I talk about it in the book. Oh my, I got saved on my way to the club. <laughs> so I was on the way to the club and my friend that I was going with, she was just like, hey, you want to go to this Bible study um, before we go? And I was like, chick, you know what we about to get into. But I had enough reverence for God, you know, to Catholicism and just be like, I mean, I want you to be a part of my college experience, but like Thursday night at nine, like that's what we want to do. Okay, cool. All right. Mm-hmm. So I went and when I went, there was this like amazing radical for Christ, young woman named Dr. Lindsay Marsh. And she just was like talking about God in a way that was very sexy, right? And then I met a group of people Mm. that were like, no, you can still love God and have your own like flair. And like, you don't have to give up the essence of who you are because he made you that way. And I was like, sign me up. And so then that's when I became a born again Christian when I got, when I was 17. But this is how I also got tricked. Because I had told Jesus, because, you know, sometimes you have to tell God about yourself because he don't know everything. At least that's what we think. <laughs> so I, right. I had told Jesus, I was like, listen here, fam. So when I turn 18, I'm going to start smashing because, like, I feel like that's the will of God for my life. You know what I mean? So, like, I'm going to get it on. <laughs> that's what you meant for me. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that was your best for me. I was like, I'm going to get it on when I turn 18 because I'm going to be an adult. You know, I, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, you know, 18 good years of my my chastity. But it's about, <laughs> these yams is about to get up in. You know what Listen, the streets were calling your name. Oh, my I gosh. Understand. And so he was like, cool, 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 cool. So mind you, I'm 17. I meet Dr. Lindsay at the Bible study. She all talk about how, like, she's a virgin and she's waiting till she gets married. And I was like, um... No, 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 no. Go back to the other stuff you were saying about how, like, you can... No, 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 no. You tripping. Why would you do this to me, God? So that's how I also got tricked into being, you know, celibate and a virgin uh, at 37. But God is... He's doing a quicken work. So I believe that by the time this 
<laughs> this episode hits the airways. There's somebody going to be in my DMs or in my actual life. Because I don't know if we want hey, all the DMs. hallelujah. You know, God bless it. Yeah. No, we want we want a real life DM. We're gonna we're gonna speak that into existence right now yeah. from your and my homie Jesus. <laughs> Call him. <laughs> so like as as women of faith together, we've had a lot of these conversations, but when I got the chance to read your book, it genuinely made me laugh out loud, like you always do, but in some ways because it was so irreverent. You know, you refer to the Bible as the good book, like we all do. You call Abraham the first F-boy to ever exist, and there's some there's good reason for that. <laughs> I appreciate, you know, that you talk about God and this faith journey in a funny way, in an accessible way. But when it really comes down to it, what is your takeaway from the good book? What is it all about for you? Well, one, I'm glad that you picked up on the humor because, one, God made me a comedian, and I feel like... I don't think he would want me to write this book and just like, thou artist the flyest of that. Nah, that's that's not me, fam. Like I don't even I don't even want to do that. I don't even want to read that. To be honest, like I don't want to read that. So the only way I could do it in that way is because that's how I actually converse with Jesus. Like he cracks me up because sometimes he'd be like, you know, you foul, and I'm like, first of all, anybody asks you to tell me about myself in this moment, sir. <laughs> And but the, you know what I mean? Rude. But then he's like, but you're right though. Like, all right, I'm gonna have to process that later. And so for me, I'm just like, I I don't know if I'm the only one that has this kind of relationship with God. I hope I'm not. But for the people who either <laughs> do have the same kind of relationship or desire this kind of relationship, let me tell you how you can have it. And so for me, that's really yeah. the essence of why I wanted to write it like that, because it's like it ain't your grandmama's Bible study. And I do think that the church has actually done a disservice to people who actually are seeking our faith. And that's why a lot of young people are like, mm. Mm, I'm going to just do my dirt. I'm going to just do what I want to do. And then when I get to be like 88, then like I'll find Jesus. Which, you know, is a plan. You know, it's, it's, it's an option. <laughs> it's a plan. It's a plan. It might not be the best one for your life. <laughs> but it's not the one God had for you. It's not the one God had for me. He was like, I'm going to get you at 17. And so for me... And, and, and I say in the book, like, I'm not ignorant to why people are like, I'm good on church or I'm good on religion because uh, humans run religious organizations and humans have tricked off mm-hmm. religion in the worst way. Mm-hmm. And even God is like, yo, fam, I don't need, I don't need your help. Please stop trying to help me because you're, you're getting it wrong. <laughs> you know? All the way. All the way wrong. And so for me, it was really important for me to make the Bible something that's accessible in 2021. And it's not that I was, like, trying to be racy or risque and being like, ooh, shock value. It's just, just like, nah, how would I really relate to this and make it applicable to my life in a in a tangible way for what I want people to get out of it is that, like, I think what it is, to be honest, Brittany, is how we relate to people in our regular life, the disappointments, how people have disappointed us, how people have let us down, how people have you know, not come through. I think we kind of applied those same things to God. I know I for sure was like, Mm. oh, only if I show up as perfect, only if I show up as God's favorite, only if I do everything right, will he love me? And it's like, Mm. "Mm, no, you're, you're, you were born to do everything wrong. That's why you need me. (laughs) Like, Mm. you know what I mean? And so I, I had to make that switch in myself. So I know that like a lot of people feel like, well, I can't really have fun with God because I've done a lot of wrong things. So, like, I can't really laugh with him. And it's just like, mm, no, the contrary. Yeah. So, like you said, you plan on going to medical school, which you call the pinnacle of success for every Nigerian child. 
But of course, Jesus had a different plan that he tricked you into. Funnier plans, (laughs) shall we say. You kind of ran through this earlier, but I really want to dig into it. You didn't just go straight to opening up for Chris Rock, right? No. Is it true that you got your start at a beauty pageant? I sure enough did, Brittany. And here's the thing. Here's the crazy part. You want to know the crazy part? I suffered from low self-esteem. I did not think I was anybody's beauty anything, fam. Like, Mm. in the book, I talk about when I tried to be pretty and I put uh, baby powder on my face. (laughs) Just looking at a hot, ashy... (laughs) ridiculous mess because I didn't know that MAC makeup was different. Like, MAC powder was different than Johnson & Johnson powder. And... Oh, Lord. Yeah, girl. I tried to fit in and I just got bullied all the more. So it was a a mess. So the fact that (laughs) the beauty pageant that I was like, who's pretty? Not me, but okay, guy. He had jokes before I had jokes. And it was one of those things where I wasn't checking for it. I wasn't looking for it. My brother asked if I wanted to participate because um, he knew the people who who ran it. And I was like, I mean, I guess. I think I'm free on Saturday. Like, that literally was the, the makeup of my decision. And... And to be very clear, this is this is the 2006 Miss Nigeria in America pageant. Right? You really have to put it all out there. Yes, I didn't know. Brittany, I was getting my master's trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. I was not focused, okay? I was <laughs> like, I don't know what this means, but God was like, if you just say yes, you don't have to know what it means. I'll, do, I'll take it from here. I'll do the rest. And so that's what happened. So I entered the pageant, but I didn't realize that I needed the talent. And so, like, two weeks before, they were like, hey, we got your application. We got your, you know, everything's great. What's your talent? And I said, oh, nah, you, you got you got me twisted. Like, I, I make straight A's for a living. <laughs> That's the only talent that I know, and I really don't know how to display that on stage. And they were like, cool, 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 cool. However, if you want to compete in this year pageant, you need one. When I prayed and I heard God say, do comedy, and I was like, no, you got me twisted. Because, like... I've been bullied in my life. And <laughs> I thought, no, I was like, cool, 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 cool. Nah, try again. And I was like, so what's not going to happen is me get on a stage in front of Africans who are rude. Okay, not just Africans, but Nigerians who will just be like, ah, whose daughter is this? Please tell her she's not funny. Get her <laughs> off the stage immediately. I I did not want to go through that smoke. Okay, so... I said, like, as somebody who's been picked on their whole life, I'm not willingly about to volunteer myself as tribute to be picked on again as my adult life. And he said, loud as day, he said, cool, either you're going to learn to trust me or you're not. You you decided to trust him. Do you remember any of the jokes you told, though? I do. <laughs> like, I just, I just need one. I need to understand exactly how this played out. One joke was how... Uh, Africans don't know how to whisper. So my mom would like get a call and she'd be like, hello, can you hear me? No, 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 no. I am hearing you. But you, can you hear me? And I'd be like, mom, everybody can hear you because we're a church. (laughs) Anyway. So you keep working at it. And like you said, you end up in clubs in New York and LA and you open for Chris Rock. Last year, you launched your debut stand-up special on HBO, Mama, I Made It, which was fantastic. How does your faith inform and intersect with your work that you do, right, on stage as a comedian, as an actress? How does that show up? Uh, Well, thank you for watching, Brittany. Um, I was definitely (laughs) like, oh, my God, the pandemic happened. And it was around George Floyd, like when George Floyd was murdered. Mm. And I was just like, 
oh my God. Like, I felt like the special was going to be a casualty of the time. I just was like, okay, mm. it's what it is. I was like, black people are hurting. Like, it is what it is. Like, I understand why. Like, it's, we're hurting twice. People are getting killed with this pandemic and people are getting killed in the streets. Like, how is this possible? Yeah. So I just was like, all right, God, it's fine. I'm going to get a back-end blessing with a, with a second special. It's cool. And when I tell you the people showed up in such a way, because it was like, no, Black joy is a form of resistance. Black joy is a weapon. Black joy is still a form of activism. And so Amen. we're going to show up and we're going to enjoy because if we don't laugh, oh, something is going to happen. And America is, mm. is not going to be happy about it. So you might want us to laugh because we need some levity in these times because the levy is breaking. Mm. And in that moment, like I was shown, like it's not just for jokes and giggles. It's yeah. therapy. It's therapeutic. It's like it is medicine. This is, I think, what people don't see behind the scenes. You're making us laugh. You're bringing us joy. You are bringing Black folks an opportunity to engage in the revolution of joy. And yet, as you say, even while you're living your wildest dreams, this has not all been vanilla sprinkles on a chocolate shake. So <laughs> have there been times where in the in the midst of all of this, you've, you've questioned your faith? Like, what, what do your fights with Jesus sound like? Man... Man, so that the year the year was 2014. I had gone through so much disappointment. I was like, I have done everything, Lord. Everything you asked me for. I have been the quintessential pinnacle of a, a faithful daughter, and I'm getting crumbs. <laughs> is this is this what you want from me? Is this what's gonna move the nations, Jesus? Is this what's gonna make people believe? Because aha. Uh-huh, other people are better. And I was like, well, he was like, first of all, what you're not going to do is spit in my face. You need to calm down. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm tired of being calm. But really what it was, God had told me to do something back in 2012. He gave me an idea for a show. Mm. And I started it. You know how like ideas happen? You started. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll try it. Yeah, sure. I started it and <laughs> it got hard. Or like, I just didn't feel like I was enough to see the project through, Right. And Mm. as life, luck, faith, whatever would have it, I started working with people in entertainment that were, you know, that were already popping. So I was like, oh, okay, this is this is easier. God was like, okay, all right. He let me have it for like a good solid year and a half, two years. And the problem with money is when you're making it, you think you Gucci. You don't have to. You're good. You're comfortable. Um, then God shut all of that down. The jobs went away. <laughs> like the pro- what I didn't realize is the project's end. And so I was like, all right, man, you got one more shot. So I grabbed the Bible and and literally the first thing that I opened up to was Psalm uh 3114, which I which says, I will yet trust you because my times are in your hands. And yeah. the night before wow. he had asked me, What's in your hand? And I was like, Sam, I don't know. And so I was like, okay, God, is this the answer? <laughs> is it my times are in your hands? So what that mean? Like, I saw, I saw, I started having a conversation. I was like, all right, I'm not upset no more. But I mean, you still don't think nice, but let's talk this out. Like you, I'm sure this is how marriage works. I don't know because I'm so single, but I'm sure this is how marriage works when y'all <laughs> like, all right, you know, we have beef, but let's talk it out. So anyway, so I'm like, God, yeah. let's talk it out. And he said, I gave you something in your hands that you did nothing with. And I was like, mm. Oh, you mean that thing that I put down two years ago because I was busy making other people's dreams come true? 
So it was my fault mm. this whole time? Got it. Cool, 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 cool. Okay, wow. my bad. I apologize. <laughs> Jesus. And so that's literally what... <laughs> <laughs> that's literally what it was. And, but even then, I was like, hey, God, I'm not playing no more games with you. I'm going to do this thing, but if it don't work, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back to Lower Maryland and just tell my mama I'm sorry, but at least I'm going to eat three meals a day. Cool? Got it. And when I tell you, Brittany, from October 2014 till October 2015, here's what happened. Hmm. I finished the trailer for First Gen. I pitched that to David Yellowo and Oprah Winfrey. I mm-hmm. auditioned for a one show called Insecure. I booked Insecure hmm. in July. And by October of 2015, I not only shot the pilot, but was able to pay off my debts with the pilot fee. Wow, 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 wow. Before I let you go, we have to talk about Insecure because I'm obsessed. You, of course, play Molly, Issa Rae's best friend on the show. Now, last season, mm-hmm. you focused on Molly and Issa's friendship and more specifically, the issues in their friendship. And yeah. I know that after the big fight, a lot of people were really mad at you. Like both Molly, the character, and <laughs> Yvonne Orji, the actress. They did not separate it. Listen, I really think it took two to tango. That's just my personal opinion. Ooh. But like, how has it, how has it been for you when people to just to hear how people get so angry at or really relate to Molly? So, yes, last season was, I feel, here's what I feel as though. I feel as though, and I'm, Issa was like, you still do your uh, your Molly apology tour? I was like, first of all, you're not loyal. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I feel as though it took 10 episodes for everybody to forget the down friend that Molly has been for the last four seasons. Like, all of y'all forgot. It went out the window. Episode one. Nah, that's Molly real. tripping. But who was there to drop Issa home from Malibu? Okay, who was there to run interference between Daniel and Lawrence? Who? I believe it was me. Okay? Me. I mean, not me, <laughs> but Molly. It was Molly. It won't be. Yes. I'm getting caught up in my own in my own situation. That's how it happens. I think it was a testament, one, to the phenomenal writing um, of the show and the realness that, you know, of these characters that we get to embody, um, that people were people were genuinely in their fields because they've had these relationships. They've been in these moments. They were Molly and Easter because, yes, it did take two to take because all she had to do was call me so we could have a conversation about. Uh, anyway, I'm, let, me, <laughs> let me pull it back. Let me pull it back. I'm protective of Molly because I feel like, yes, she's... What I love about her is that she's beautifully flawed. Who isn't? You know what I mean? And I think Mm -hmm. sometimes people were watching our show and just, like, forgetting that, like, she's human and we're all human. And even when we don't want to... It's like the Bible says, the thing I don't want to do, I do. And the things I do want to do, I don't do. It's just like we all have a bit of these characters in us and any and they present differently and i think the, the i think the people that were most upset with molly are hopefully are the people who had done their own self-work and recognized oh yeah i used to be here it's not gonna end well like ooh, okay girl like <laughs> you need to call dr Rhonda. but then i think the other people that were upset with her were the people who hadn't done their self-work they're like projecting so because what we not gonna do and it's just like hold up i feel like this is <laughs> This is hitting home in a different way. But it has been 
a blessing to play. And, and I was like, go figure. The year that like Eric Black Twitter hated my character is the year that I get nominated for an Emmy. So I said, well, we did something right. Okay, we did something <laughs> right. So Insecure is coming to a close, which you know I feel a way about. It did. This is our final season. We are in the middle of shooting it as we speak. Okay, so can I get can I get like a spoiler or something? Like, wait, Brittany, you finally gonna work it out? Like, what's what's gonna happen? I just saw a different. I literally just saw how you and your husband got together because this whisper voice, Brittany. <laughs> this whisper voice, Brittany. It's convincing, I, right, Yvonne? Wow, don't you want to see what happened? girl. Um, hold on. Um, hey, Brittany, I would really love to give you something, but. Um, my checks are really important to me. So I, what I'm not going to do is lose my, my mortgage money because I told you some trade. You can text me later. It's fine. I won't tell nobody. Um, (laughs) (laughs) wow. (laughs) Okay. So, but for real, when we lose insecure, which will feel like a loss, we also get so much more. Because you mentioned First Gen, yes. uh, that comedy series based on your life, and you pitched it to David Oyelowo and Oprah Winfrey, and now they are the executive producers of First Gen. Yes. What is Girl. God going to trick you into next? Girl, let me tell you how that was tricked, because that pitched that in 2014, and it got picked up 2021. So yeah, there's that. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm not in a, I'm not in a box. Honest to God, like, if God is like, I want you to take three years off to get married and enjoy, you know, the fruits of your loins um, connecting, yes, I will do that. Take three years, and then y'all come back, and then I'll be like, hey, what what I miss? What did I, what did I miss? Because I was, I was getting other things. Um, or if he's just like, hey, I want you to, like, create a conglomerate and take over the industry. I, I'll do that, too. So it really is, I'm I'm open. I'm just in this is my season of staying open and I I want to usher in ease and flow. That is that is the thing I'm on yes. now, right? Cuz the book is really for the hustlers or the people who are hustling or trying to figure out why their hustle's not working or in a transitionary period. I'm like, "Cool, cool, cool. I I've given you all that. I've done that and I'm doing a, I'm doing it." However, in this season, I feel a shift into the receiving and for people who are working bees, receiving is a very hard thing because it almost feels like I didn't deserve it or I didn't work for it. And so how can I enjoy it? And 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 how can I take credit for it? And it's like, it's not about who gets credit. It's about releasing and just enjoying that it happened, that it came to you. And so that's the season that I'm in where I'm just, I'm learning to receive because God just wants to give because he's that good. Ooh, I love that. So we, okay, so I'm going to forgive you for taking insecure from us. I didn't, it's cool. You didn't even call it Issa. I did not say, it's you know cool. what, Issa, I'm leaving the show. I'm upset with all of you. Like, <laughs> I'm, I, I feel a way, but I'm excited for the things that you are giving us, and I'm excited for all the things that you are going to receive, and I'm so excited for more people to read the book and to get bamboozled in the best ways. Oh, well, thank you, and thank you for reading the book, Britt. I, I appreciate this. This, is, this, is, this means a lot to me. Yvonne Orji is a comedian, actress, and author of the upcoming book, Bamboozled by Jesus. So I know it's a cliche, but laughter really is the best medicine. And I love that Yvonne is using her comedic gifts to fight the power. 
Black joy is a form of activism. Amen to that again and again. There's no one way to affect change. So whether you believe your gifts come from a heavenly creator or the result of a village that nurtured your talents, or even a little bit of both, how will you use what you have to make things better? There's no gift too small or talent too strange. If you get creative and you find some faith, I guarantee you the world can most definitely use what you have to offer. We are all waiting on you to get started. So don't make Jesus have to trick you into it, all right? That's it for today, but never for tomorrow. Undistracted is a production of The Meteor and Pineapple Street Studios. Our lead producer is Rachel Matlow. Our associate producer is Taylor Hosking. Thanks also to Treasure Brooks, Grace Chen, and Hannes Brown. Our executive producers at The Meteor are Cindy Levy and myself. And our executive producers at Pineapple are Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. You can follow me at Ms. Pacchetti on all social media and our team at The Meteor. Subscribe to Undistracted and rate and review us, y'all, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you check out your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being. Thanks for doing. I'm Brittany Packnett Cunningham. Let's go get free. <laughs>